Amen. Praise the Lord. That's an awesome song. What a powerful message to that song. And it's, it's really just kind of unique um, as I've been listening to the songs that we've been singing at Calvary and Blessed Be the Name, How Deep the Father's Love, and then the song they've just sang, uh, love, uh, the, the choir sang Love Alone, and then uh, this one, This Blood, it really just kind of goes uh, just perfect with uh, the message this morning. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, last week we began, or really uh, a couple weeks ago, we began our series through the book of Ephesians, but uh, last week we looked in uh, verses 3 through 6 about the blessing of the Father, uh, the blessing of the Father. And we mentioned how at the beginning of this chapter we find both the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all at the beginning here. And uh, last week we looked at the Father. This morning we're going to begin looking at the work of the Son the work of the Son in first, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1, we'll begin reading in verse number 7. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 7. It says, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure which He hath purposed in Himself." that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Father, we ask that you would just, again, work through the message this, this morning. Thank you for the beautiful music, Lord, the songs and the messages that they have. And uh, Lord, just preparing us for for your word now. And God, I pray that you would just work in hearts this morning. Uh, Lord, if there might be somebody that does not know uh, Jesus Christ as their Savior, uh, Lord, even through the messages of the songs, that there's there's no one uh, that can save other than Jesus Christ. And the message this morning, I pray that you would just work. And Lord, as Christians, that you would just draw us closer to you. Lord, give us a greater desire and a burden to love you and to serve you, Lord. Bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we've just read about uh, five or six verses this morning, and um, I'm just going to be very honest with you. Uh, We're going to get to one this morning. Um, Because there's just so much in these verses that you just can't... uh, Just to take the whole passage here from verses 7 through 12 and just to try to bring one message would, uh, would just do it injustice. And, um, and I'm the pastor, and uh, I preach what I want to preach, and so we're just going to look at one verse this morning, okay? Um, so um, I'm very thankful that uh, I don't have anybody telling me what I can and what I cannot preach other than the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? Um, but this verse is just, it's so powerful, and um, if you don't have it underlined or marked or highlighted or somehow in your Bible... I would really encourage you to do that. Look in verse number 7. He says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. What a verse. He says, It's not very long. No, it's not very long. It doesn't have like difficult words to understand in it, but it's such a powerful verse. If you think about it, as we looked last week at the very end of verse number 6. He says, "...to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved." 
And we talked about how that any time that the father refers to the son, he refers to him as his beloved son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And God says that one of the blessings that we saw last week of the father is that we are accepted in the beloved. We're accepted in Jesus Christ and the beloved. And so when he's, he's using this and he says we have been accepted in the beloved, and then he says in verse 7, in whom, and that in whom is referring to the beloved. That's referring to Jesus Christ. In him, in, in whom we, again, those who put their faith and trust in Christ, have redemption through his blood. Redemption through his blood. This is one of the great words in the Bible. There's some words in the Bible that just, um, when you see it, you just have to think about what it's saying and, and really ponder it. And not because it's a hard to understand, but just to think about all that it entails. I think we would probably say that another great word of the Bible would probably be the word love, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This word redemption or redeemed is another great word in the Bible. The word redeemed means to purchase. It means to set free by paying a price. It has the idea of being delivered or setting a man free by paying a ransom. During this time period, of course, the Roman ruled the world. And slaves could be bought and sold all throughout the Roman Empire. And of course, during this time, we are told that there were over 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. Unfortunately, they would be bought and sold like furniture. You could go to a slave market and they would line up the slaves in front of you and uh, and you could you could buy a slave. Not something we like to think about today. Something that has a a sordid past. But as Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus under this Roman rule, he, they understood this term redeemed because of what was happening in that society. As you would go to these slave markets and uh, whatever type of person you were looking for, you'd be able to pay a price or pay something for that person. And then that person would be considered your possession. But on rare occasions, there would be someone that would purchase someone in the slave market and then set them free. And under the Roman law, if a person was purchased and then the person who bought them, set them free, they could never be a slave again. They could never be considered a slave again because they had, the price had been paid for them. And then the one who bought them chose instead of having them as a slave or a servant, but to free them and to set them free, never to be enslaved again. The one thing that we find with this word is that in every case of redemption or being redeemed, 
the one being redeemed was powerless to free himself. The one being redeemed could not free himself. If there was anything the one could do to free himself, then he would not need someone to redeem him. But there was nothing he could do. They simply waited for someone to redeem them. And when you think about what he is saying here, in whom, that's in Jesus Christ, we have redemption. Do you understand? Paul is trying to give us a picture here that it's not just those 60 million people that were enslaved in the, under the Roman Empire, but he's saying it's not just them, but every single person, every single person is on the slave market. Every single person is a slave. And there's only one person that is able to redeem someone. There's only one person that's able to buy them off of the slave market and to set them free. Do you get the picture that what he's saying here? He says, in whom the beloved one, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You see, if Jesus Christ is the only one who offers redemption, then that means that you and I are powerless to redeem ourselves. We could not redeem ourselves. There is nothing, nothing that we can do or could ever do to redeem us. That's what they they were just singing with that song, this blood. There's nothing, nothing that we can do to redeem us. We were the slaves. And yet Jesus Christ was willing to come and to redeem us. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see, friend, here's here's where we have to decide, are we going to believe what God says, or are we going to believe what man says? Because man and religion try to tell you, you can redeem yourself. Man and religion tries to say, if you're just good enough, or if, if you will join a church, or if you'll get baptized, or if you'll try to keep the Ten Commandments, then you'll be able to be good enough to be accepted by God. The problem is that's not what the Bible says. Man says that. Religion says that. But God doesn't. God says we are redeemed through Jesus Christ. And in order for for someone to be redeemed, it means there's nothing that I can do myself. If, if I could redeem myself, then why would I need Jesus? If you and I could be redeemed simply by being a member of a church, then why would Jesus need to come and die on the cross? If we could be redeemed simply by being baptized or by following a set of rules or joining a church or, or being a good person, then why did Jesus need to come and die on the cross? You see, the world 
man and religion try to say, you can do it. You can redeem yourself. Do you know why? Because the world wants to keep you chained as a slave. The devil wants to keep you chained as a slave and make you just think somehow you can do it yourself when Jesus says, no, there's only one way, and that's through me. That's why it says being justified freely there in Romans chapter 3. We are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. By the way, this is why the angel said to Joseph when he was telling him about the birth of Jesus Christ, he says about Jesus is coming in Matthew 121, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, again, if we could save ourselves from sins, why do we need someone to come and save us? If we can redeem ourselves, why do we need someone to redeem us? Why do we need someone to buy us? Why do we need someone to pay the price if we are able to pay it ourselves? Because we can't. We can't. You see, we are bound as slaves. And this is what Paul is saying, in whom we have redemption. Redemption from what? What have we been redeemed from? Well, the Bible tells us we are redeemed from sin. We are redeemed from sin. You see, sin, we are enslaved to sin. Every single person that is born is a slave to sin. If you turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 6. Romans, chapter 6. In Romans, chapter 6, Paul is, again, writing here, and he says in verse number 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You see, Paul says when we are redeemed through Jesus Christ, then we are now freed from sin. We've been freed from sin. We are, we are delivered from sin. We are not bound by sin anymore. He says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Look down to verse number 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Notice again, he says we are freed from sin. You know what that means? Before, we, before Jesus Christ redeemed us, we were bound. We were enslaved to sin. But it's through Jesus Christ that we have been redeemed. Through Jesus Christ, we have been freed from sin. He goes on in verse number 11. He says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Do you understand what he says when, when a person, and again, he's, he's writing, as, as we saw there in Ephesians, he's writing to the saints, he's writing to those believers who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, in whom we have redemption. We have been redeemed from sin because do you know where Jesus found us? In the slave market of sin. That's where we were. We were slaves to sin. That's why the Bible tells us, you know, as we, we have a sin nature because of our 
parents and grandparents and, and all the way back. You can trace it all the way back to Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve sinned, now every person that is born has a sin nature. How many of you have children? You have children? How many taught your kids to lie? Isn't that amazing? Not one of you did. How many taught your kids how to throw a fit? You had to be like, now, 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 little Susie, what's going to happen here is I'm going to say no. And then when I say no, you're going to go, okay, you got that? All right, you got that, little Susie? Okay. Nobody had to teach them to do that, did they? Isn't it amazing? Your kids are demons like my kids too, right? I mean, yeah. You didn't have to teach them to do that. Why? Because they have a sin nature. It comes natural to them. It came natural to you too when you were a kid. We have a sin nature. Why? Because we're bound in sin. We're enslaved in sin. That's why we need to be redeemed. That's why Jesus Christ came to redeem us from our sin. Because our sin is what separates us from God. That's what the Bible tells us. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of our sin, we are separated from God. We can't get to him by being good. You can't get to him by joining a church. You can't get to God by being a good person. Because our sin is what separates us from God. And that's why Jesus Christ came to redeem us from our sin. Do you understand that? Jesus Christ... He came to pay the price so that we could be set free from sin. Do you understand? If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have to sin now. You don't have to sin. You've been set free. You've been set free from sin. You say, Pastor, if I don't have to sin, I'd like to know what's going on because I've got a lot of sin. It's because we choose to. You're, the Bible says we are, we are freed from sin. Did you just, just remember what we just read here in Romans? We are freed from sin. Jesus Christ has redeemed us. He's broken those chains of sin. We're, we are freed from it. Now it's up to us whether we choose to sin or whether we choose to live unto God. He's freed us from sin. No longer does that sin separate us from God? No longer are we slaves in that slave market. But now, he says, as we saw, one of the blessings is being part of the, of the family of God. We are God's children. He says, you're my children. Now, I don't want you to sin. I've freed you from sin. I want you to live for Jesus Christ. I want you to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. That's what he just said. Don't, in verse 13, neither yield to your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. You understand, that's your choice now. Because you've been freed from sin, you have a choice to make. If you're a Christian here this morning, if you sin, you have no one to blame but yourself. Well, we didn't like that, did we? You can't say, well, the devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do it. You know why? You're free. If you were enchained, if you were still chained in sin, yeah, you could say that, well, you know, I just, I had to because the devil made me. Hey, if you're a Christian, you've been freed from sin. Nobody can make you sin anymore. Nobody can force you to sin. You know what? You have a new nature. You have a new nature in Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. The old, we have to yield our members. We have to yield ourselves to righteousness. 
We've been redeemed. We've been set free from sin. The question is, are we going to live a free life? Are we going to live a free life? Imagine someone that has been in one of those slave markets. And they are, someone comes and they, they buy them and said, Hey, I'm going to pay the price for you and, and I'm freeing you. You are now free. You're free to go anywhere you want. You're free to do anything you want to do. And then that person goes back and stands in line in the slave market. You say, no, no, you don't understand, sir. I, I've, I've, I've already paid the price for you. You're free. You, you, can, you can leave this place. You can go anywhere you want. To. You can do anything you want. And they go back and they stand in line in the slave market. You understand, that's what many Christians are doing. That's what many Christians are doing. We've been freed from sin, and what do we do? We go back in the line of sin. We go stand right back in the line of sin. Oh, you're free. He has redeemed us. He paid the price for us so that we could be free from sin. We don't have to sin. That's why the Bible says, if we will walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, we have a choice as a Christian now. We can choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and be obedient to him and sin less, or we choose to follow self, what our flesh wants, what the world tells us is what's really important, and fall back into sin. It's our choice. Friend, you don't have to sin. If you've been saved, if you've been redeemed, you're freed from sin. We're freed from sin. We're freed from the law. In Galatians chapter 3, in verse number 13, he says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. We're freed from the law. We're not under the law anymore. We're not under what, what anybody tells us, right? Again, that person that's bound in chains, they have to go wherever that, that taskmaster would send them. They would have to follow wherever those chains lead. But now he says, you're free from the law. You're not under the law anymore. We're free from the law of sin and death, right? In Galatians chapter 1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Man, we ought to see, praise God, we're, we're free from the law. We're not under the law of sin and death anymore. We're not under sin. We're not under the law. We are free in Christ now. We're free to follow him. We're free to, to do what he asks of us to do. We've been redeemed. Freed from sin, freed from the law, freed from death. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You know, before a person comes to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, there's a fear of death. Because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know where we're going to go. We don't know what's going to happen. We're afraid. There's a fear of death. But when we've been redeemed, but when we've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ has paid the price for us. He says, we have been made free from death. You know, as a, as a Christian, we don't ever have to be afraid of when we're going to die. We don't ever have to be afraid of that. Why? Because the Bible tells us because we've been redeemed the very moment that we take our last breath here on this earth, that we'll be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
To be absent from the body, the Bible says, is to be present with the Lord. Why? Because we've been redeemed. We've been bought. We've been set free. We don't have to worry about death. We're free from death. We're free from the power of Satan. Think about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You understand that Satan is trying to keep the truth from people. He's trying to keep people blinded. He's trying to keep them enslaved in sin. He's trying to keep them in slavery. He's keeping the truth from them. But he says, here, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. When we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and we see Jesus Christ is the only way, there is no other way. It's not through my church. It's not through my religion. It's not through good works, but it's only through Jesus Christ. And we're willing to accept that by faith. He says, you've been free from the power of Satan. Satan has no hold over you anymore. He, he doesn't have a hold over you anymore. You're free from that. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 2, wherein in time past, he says, as he's writing to the church, in time past, this was what was before, what? Ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He says, before, before when you were still a slave, when you were in that slave market, he said, you were under the power of Satan. You walked according to the course of the world, to the prince of the power of the air. But he said, now that we have been redeemed, we've been set free. We've been freed from the power of Satan. Hey, look, I understand that, that Satan is a powerful being. I, I understand that. Satan is a real, he's a real person. He's a real being. We understand that. He's not just some figment of somebody's imagination. He is uh, the fallen angel, Lucifer. And he is powerful. We understand that. But here's the thing, friend. I don't have to worry about him anymore. I don't have to worry because I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed by Jesus Christ. He has saved me from the power of Satan. Satan has no hold over me anymore. He has no power over me. He can't touch me. Because I belong to Jesus Christ. I belong to the Father. You see, remember what we talked about, the blessings of the Father, and that one we are now accepted in the beloved. Hey, he's placed us in the beloved. He's placed us in Jesus Christ. We've been redeemed. We've been bought. We've been freed from sin. We've been freed from the power of Satan. We've been freed from death, freed from the law. How did this happen? Notice, back in Ephesians, what does he say? He tells us what has happened and that we have been redeemed, but how we've been redeemed. He says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Look, friend, anything or anyone that tells you that you can be redeemed by anything other than the blood of Jesus Christ is a liar. They're a liar. You say, that's, that's harsh. No, friend, that's the truth. That's the truth. Look, this, this church has no blood. Baptism has no blood. 
Good, good works and good things have no blood. It is through his blood, the Bible says. The blood of Jesus Christ. And, and we have this, you know, I, I'm always amazed when I think about the sacrifices and things that would take place in the Old Testament and how um, these sacrifices were a picture of the, the blood that Jesus Christ was going to shed on the cross and he was going to be that, that, that sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice. But when you think about the, the sacrifices, every time the, the, the Israelites, the Jews would bring a sacrifice and that sacrifice would be slain and the blood of that animal would be shed. And all of the, the, the different offerings and the sacrifices that could be brought there. When you think about the tabernacle, when you think about Solomon's temple and, and the glory of it and the beauty of it and all the gold and everything of there, it was a bloody place. It was a place of blood and gore. The death of all the animals that were there. The blood that was everywhere. Why? Why did, why did God say, hey, I want you to take this beautiful, this beautiful temple that's made of gold and then I, in front of it, you're going to have all this blood and gore and everything. Why? Because God's trying to tell him, look, you have to understand, you can't get to God except through the blood. There's no way to get to God except through the blood of Jesus Christ. We want to think, well, my church or my religion or my good works or my family or being born in a Christian home or whatever it is. No, 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 friend. It is through his blood. You understand that was the price that had to be paid. That was the price that was paid. Jesus Christ had to die and shed his blood so that we could be redeemed. Oh, you, you, can go to, you can go to a store and you can, you can buy a TV off the shelf and you can either pay cash or credit card or whatever, but you're not paying blood. Jesus Christ loved us so much that he was willing to come to this earth and give his life to redeem us, to shed his blood. Friend, do you understand how important you are to God? How important you are to him? That Jesus Christ would be willing to come and do this? Look, we... we we don't have anything to offer him. We, we have no perfection. We have no goodness. Jesus Christ is the only one who is perfect and good. And yet Jesus Christ was willing to come and give his life for us. He, he came to that slave market. He said, hey, I want to buy you. What's the price? It's going to be my blood. I'm going to die for you. And here's what's so sad. There are many people that know that Jesus Christ has died for them. They know that Jesus Christ has paid the price for them to be set free. And they reject it. They reject it. They say, well, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep trying my religion. I'm just going to keep trying to be a good person. I'm just going to keep trusting whatever it is. No, friend, it's only through Jesus Christ. He says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Look with me in 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse number 18. He says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed. There's that word again. 
That's a great word. It's a powerful word. You were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your father. But what were you redeemed by? With the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He said, you were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, that sinless, spotless, perfect lamb of God that was willing to come to this earth and to give his life and to pay that price for you on the cross. There's a a song that we sing. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. It's really interesting when you think about many of the songs that we sing are obviously they're taken from scriptural meaning and scriptural passages. That song has to go back to Exodus chapter 12 when Israel was in bondage in Egypt and Moses was sent by God to bring Israel out of Egypt and God uses the 10 plagues to bring deliverance. But that 10th plague was going to be the death of the firstborn. And God told Israel, he said, you're going to kill a lamb. And you're going to take the blood of that lamb and you're going to take the blood and you're going to put it above on the top of the door and on the sides of the door. And he said, if you'll do that, if you'll take the blood of that innocent animal, that animal had done nothing wrong, but he said, if you'll take the blood and put it on the doorpost and on the, on the sides and on top, he says, when the death angel passes through Egypt tonight, he says, when the angel sees the blood, he says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Friend, there were many people that died that night because they chose not to believe in the blood. Put blood on our doorposts? No, we're not going to do that. Kill an innocent animal? No, we're not going to do that. And there was death in their house because they did not do it the way God said to do it. Jesus Christ is that lamb that was slain. And God says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. When I see that you've accepted the payment of Jesus Christ, when I see that you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and and his blood has redeemed you, I said, I'll pass over you. No death is going to come to you. You don't have to worry about death anymore because now we're going to be able to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I'll pass over you. We've been redeemed. He says, in whom... We have redemption through his blood. But watch, watch this. There's something else that he says here. The forgiveness of sins. Redeemed through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. The word forgiven means to carry away. means to release, to cancel. Again, it's very interesting how Many of these words that we find in the Bible are used. The forgiveness of sins. Anybody ever heard of the word scapegoat? You ever heard that used in a phrase? You know, somebody had to be the scapegoat, right? It's never a good thing. (laughs) You don't want to be the scapegoat, right? You know, that's a Bible term. It's a biblical term. 
You see, when you go back to the book of Leviticus, and we don't have time to, to, learn, uh, to, to look at the chapter here, but if you go back to the book of Leviticus, what would happen is God told Israel they needed to bring two goats. They would bring these two goats before the high priest, and the high priest would take one and shed its blood. And that blood of that goat would be sprinkled upon the mercy seat, and only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. But that second goat was brought before the high priest as well. And what they would do is the high priest would basically lay his hands on the, the goat in symbolism, and he would confess the sins of the nation of Israel. Basically, he was saying that the sins of Israel were now being placed upon this goat. Again, it's a symbol, right? The goat had no way to forgive sins. But he would place the sins of Israel upon this goat, and then someone would take that goat and lead that goat out into the wilderness, never to be seen again. That goat was called the scapegoat. The scapegoat. As the sins of the nation were placed upon that goat, and then that goat was led away, never to be seen again. Do you understand what the word forgiven means? It doesn't just mean that, oh, you know, Jesus is going to say, well, they're forgiven, but then if I remember them, then I'm going to bring them back up. No, no, no. It means they are canceled. They are removed. That's why they would never see that goat again. That goat was gone. Their sins were gone. That's why the Bible says as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has, has cast our sins. When Jesus Christ is, is willing to forgive us of our sins, when he forgives us, they are all gone. Praise the Lord for that. They're gone. They're, they're not there anymore. And this is what he says. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Never to be seen again. You see, that's why, that's why we can know that no matter when we die, we'll be at the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's not like we can say, oh, man, you know, I know that maybe my past sins are forgiven, but, you know, there's probably a sin up here that, that I, I don't know that I'm going to commit. And, and, and what about that one? Friend, it's gone. It's gone. You say, well, I haven't even committed it yet. He's already forgiven it. It's all right. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it wasn't just the past sins that he forgave. It is all sins that he has forgiven. They're all forgiven. That's why we know, as the Bible speaks of eternal security, that the very moment that we take this last breath will be at the Lord Jesus Christ for eternity. Because there isn't a sin that hasn't been forgiven that's going to keep me from Jesus Christ. Now, please understand, don't get me wrong. Don't think, oh, because all of my sins are forgiven, then that means I can just go and live any way that I choose to live. No, friend. We just read in Romans chapter 6. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How are we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You see, we're dead to sin. We shouldn't want to live in sin anymore. Not, when, not since we've been redeemed, not since we've been forgiven. We understand the debt that has been paid for us. Man, all of our sins that would have sent us to a, a devil's hell have been forgiven, and now we have a home in heaven, and that's because of what Jesus Christ has done. We ought to desire and say, Lord, I want to live for you. Lord, I want to do whatever you say. Anything that you want me to do, Lord, I'm willing to do because of what you have done for me. He's redeemed us. He's forgiven us. There's a song written by a lady named Fanny Crosby. This lady was blind. She wrote many, many hymns, some that, that we sing in our songbook. But in 1882, she wrote this song, Redeemed, How I Love to Proclaim It. 
redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child, and forever I am. Redeemed. Redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it, his child, and forever I am. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of him all the day long. I sing, for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. I know I shall see in his beauty the king in whose law I delight, who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. Redeemed. Friend, can I ask you this morning, have you been redeemed? Have you been redeemed? I didn't ask if you're a church member. I didn't ask if you're a good person. I didn't ask if you've been baptized. I asked, have you been redeemed? Have you been redeemed? Have you been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ? It's the only way. There's no other way. It's through Jesus Christ and him alone. If not, friend, Jesus wants to redeem you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to set you free from your sin. He wants to set you free from your fear of death. He wants to set you free from the power of Satan if you'll just be willing to come to him and put your faith and trust in him. But Christian, you say, Pastor, I know I've, I've been redeemed. I know I'm saved. I can remember when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Praise the Lord for that. That's great. Praise the Lord. You've been redeemed. You've been forgiven. The question is then, are we living for him? Are we living for him? Again, think about what he has done for you and me. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins through his blood. He was willing to die for you. He was willing to take your sin and my sin and the sin of the world upon himself. So that you could be redeemed. So you don't have to be chained in that slave market anymore. He wants to redeem you. But he can't force you. It has to be your choice. Will you allow him to redeem you? Will you put your faith and trust in him and accept what he has done for you? Or are you going to continue trying to think that man's way and religion's way is better than God's way. No, he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It's only through Jesus Christ. Christian, are we living for him? When we think about what he's done for us, all of our sin, all of our sin, look, not one of us this morning, not one of us would want our sins to be brought out and put on this platform for everybody to see. Not one of us would want that. And yet he was willing to take it all. You understand? He was willing to take it all. It would have been very easy for him to say, well, you know, there's certain sins that I'll take, but certain sins that I won't take. You commit that sin, sorry, you can't be redeemed. No, do you understand that we can, it doesn't matter what sins we've committed, every sin can be forgiven. Everyone. 
And when you think about what Jesus Christ has done for you and me, you think about the blessings of the Father, you think about the work of the Son and what He has done, how can we say to Him, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. God, don't ask me to follow you. Don't ask me to do what you want to do. Don't ask me to do what, what you say in your word. I'm just going to live my life the way I want to live it. Do you understand that if you've been redeemed, you don't have any right to say that? Because he paid the price for you. He's forgiven you all your sin. And all he asks is simply for you to follow him. Just follow him. And by the way, he says, it's your reasonable service. Thank God we've been redeemed. Thank God we've been forgiven. But are we living the way he would have us to live? I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, Lord, maybe this morning there's someone that may not know Christ as their Savior. They've not been redeemed. Maybe this morning they didn't even really understand what that word meant to be redeemed. Lord, to help them to realize that without Jesus Christ, they are like a slave, bound to sin. But Lord, you came and died on the cross to redeem them, to pay for their sin, to pay the price that only you could pay. And you're willing to forgive them of all of their sin. Set them free. Lord, would you work in their hearts this morning? With their heads bowed and eyes closed, friend, maybe you're here this morning and you've never been redeemed. You say, Pastor, I would like to know how to be redeemed. Friend, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But I would like to pray for you. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, that's me. I don't know if I've ever been redeemed. Would you just slip your hand up and just put it right back down? Nobody else is looking about. Just slip it up and put it down. God bless you. You can put it down. Someone else, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure that I've ever been redeemed. Yes, God bless you. You put your hand down. Friend, in just a moment, we're going to have what we call an invitation. The piano is going to play in just a moment. If you'd like to know truly how to be redeemed, how to have your sins forgiven, to be set free from your sin, as soon as that piano begins to play, I'm going to ask you just to step out from where you are and come down. I'm going to, I'm going to meet you right down here in front. Everybody else is, everybody else is going to be have their heads bowed, their eyes closed. I'm going to meet you right down in front. If you're a man, I'm going to have a man talk with you. If you're a lady, I'll have a lady take you and talk with you. And they'll show you how you can be redeemed. Christian, if you know Christ as your Savior, are you living for Him? He redeemed you. He's forgiven you of all of your sin. How can we say to Him, No, God, I'm not going to live the way you want me to. I'm just going to live the way I want to.
Friend, we don't have that right. Are you truly living for him, Christian? He's redeemed you. He set you free from sin. He set you free from the power of Satan. He's given you a new life. Forgiven your sins. Are you living for him? Father, I pray that you would work in the invitation. Lord, speak to hearts. As Christians, may we truly desire to live for you because of what you have done for us. Father, bless now in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.